there's this word i want to tell you of and i don't know if you've heard it before its first recorded use was in 1929 and it became popular in the late 1940s to the early 1990s it's a word that is intertwined with a country south of africa the word is apartheid you can't talk about the nobel laureates and profiling in today's episode without talking about the struggle of south africa and you cannot fully understand the struggle in south africa until you go back many years back as far back as 1652 when a dutch named jan van riebeck established the victualing station at what is now known as cape town by 1815 or so after wading off the interest of france in the area the british started emigrating and settling in south africa South Africa became even more interesting when diamond was discovered in the region in 1867 and gold in 1884. This led to the series of war among Europeans, the British in particular, and the indigenous people. It was more of a battle for control over the resources of the land. The former introduction of apartheid, which simply put is the segregation with relation to race, can be dated back to the Natives Land Act of 1913. With the implementation of this act, black natives could only legally own 7% of land in the country. When the National Party was elected to power in 1948, segregation took a turn for the worse. The government classified the populace into three categories whites majorly europeans browns majorly asians and indians and blacks the indigenous people each category especially the last two have limitations that cut across mobility what train they could enter and at what time at a point they couldn't even move without a pass there was restriction to what neighborhood they could live in including job and educational opportunities they could pursue it was that bad as far back as 1912 the anc african national congress was established with a mission to bring all africans together as one people to defend their rights and freedoms the decade-long fight against apartheid produced three african nobel peace prize winners on today's episode, I'll be talking about two of them, Albert John Lutuli, who won in 1960 and became the first person of African heritage to win the prize. 14 years later, in 1984, countryman Desmond Tutu followed in Albert's step and won the Peace Prize. This is a story of two men with similar background, different parts fighting the same enemy, apartheid. With a sense of respect to the older, permit me to start with the story of Lutuli. Albert Lutuli was born in present-day Zimbabwe. At an early age, he lost his father. In 1908, the family returned to South Africa. Lutuli's mother had to send him to live with an uncle who was an elected chief so that he could attend school. In 1917, he graduated as a professional teacher and not long after became a lay preacher in a congregational church. After about 16 years of active teaching, 
he was beckoned upon to take on the same shifty and same post his uncle once had. So in 1936, Lutuli became a chief. As a chief, Lutuli witnessed the Land Act and the Sugar Act of 1936, as well as the plot of government with support of F.D. Roosevelt, the then President of America, to exclude South Africa from the Atlantic Charter of 1941. Amongst other things, this arrangement declared the right of all people to self-determination and restoring self-government. In 1944, Lutuli joined the African National Congress, ANC. In 1948, the young bloods in the organization, Nelson Mandela, Oliver Tambo and Co., started pressuring the leaders to move beyond constitutional methods in the fight against apartheid. The leaders were, however, reluctant to make this move. Moved with youthful zeal, the youth leaders seized control of the ANC in the 1949 conference and successfully orchestrated the defeat of Dr. Zuma to James Moroka as president. At this point, Lutuli was still a chief. Notwithstanding, he was active in the 1952 Defiance campaign a nationwide mobilization to challenge apartheid. The campaign employed non-violence means to demand for freedom. They willfully disobeyed segregation laws put in place by the government and surrendered themselves to jail terms in their thousands. Lutuli was very successful at rallying the masses in his region and his effort did not go unnoticed, both by the government and by other members of the ANC. The government stripped Albert Lutuli of his chieftaincy title, whilst the ANC appointed him as president over James Moroka, who had disavowed ANC policies after being arrested during the defiance campaign. Let's pause a bit here on Lutuli as I present to you another fighter, Desmond Tutu. Born in 1931, like Lutuli, Desmond trained as a professional teacher and started teaching in the early 1950s. As a result of the Bantu Education Act of 1953, championing segregation in schools, Desmond Tutu decided to leave the teaching profession for the sacred role of an Anglican priest. In 1960, 28 years old Desmond Tutu was ordained as an Anglican priest. On the other hand, Albert Lutuli had been ANC's president for eight years. In that same year, something happened in the country of South Africa, popularly remembered today as the Sharpville Massacre. March 21, 1960, the Pan-Africanist Congress, PAC, an organization created in 1952 had organized the nationwide demonstration. Protesters were to willfully surrender their passes and allow themselves to be arrested. In Sharpville, some 20,000 blacks gathered in front of a police station. The police claimed that some protesters threw stones at them. In response, the police with their submachine guns opened fire. When the doors settled, 69 blacks were on the floor, dead shot mostly at the back it was a black day as the central figure of the anc 
Albert Lutuli was banned several times by the government, even tagging the organization a terrorist group. In 1961, Albert Lutuli was awarded the Nobel Prize for his work in championing non-violence protests in the fight against apartheid. Albert Lutuli was truly a man of peace. During his 15 years in office as president of the ANC, he championed non-violence means from civil disobedience to nationwide strikes and protests in the fight against apartheid. In fact, Lutuli was not publicly in support of the military arm of the ANC, which was the brainchild of Nelson Mandela, created in 1961 after the Sharpeville massacre. Albert Lutuli died in 1967 as a true warrior of his people. He fought hard in his lifetime, but the war was far from being over. May 1976, six weeks before the Soweto uprising, Desmond Tutu wrote a letter to the then Prime Minister of South Africa, John Foster, warning him of the impending violence that was sure to come if the government did not retract his step. Precisely on June 16, 1976, Tutu's prediction became reality. On that day, now known as the Soweto Uprising, about 20,000 students came out to protest against the introduction of Afrikaans, a language of white South Africans, as a medium of instruction in schools. To black South Africans, Afrikaans was regarded as the language of the oppressor. On the morning of June 1976, thousands of students started marching towards Orlando Stadium, the venue of the protest, only to discover that their route had been blocked by the police. Not wanting to cause an uproar, the students decided to take another route. The students chanted, down with Africans. If we must do Africans, first time must do Zulu, as they waved their placards. Without warning, the police set their trained dog on the students. In response, the student grabbed the dog then killed it. The police started shooting directly at the students. This led to a full-blown riot. In the end, it is estimated that about 176 to 700 people lost their lives while thousands more were injured. The Soweto uprising was the beginning of the end for apartheid. But the enemy wouldn't give up without its best fight. Victory was another 18 years away. You see, proud to receiving the Nobel Prize Award in 1984, Desmond Tutu has used this position to call out the government on several occasions, both locally and internationally. He supported the economic boycott of South Africa by the international community. He signed a petition calling for the release of Nelson Mandela from prison. Generally, he canvassed for international support for the freedom movement. For this, Desmond Tutu received repeated threat messages. His passport was seized by the government on multiple occasions. With the Nobel Peace Prize in the bag, Desmond Tutu eats the streets running, taking part in demonstrations and serving as a go-between between the government and the black movement. On February 1990, when Nelson Mandela was finally released from prison, he stayed at Tutu's house overnight. In 1996, Desmond Tutu was called upon to share the Truth and Reconciliation Commission 
an organization with a responsibility to deal with the aftermath of apartheid. Unlike Lutsuli, Desmond Tutu was blessed to live to witness the end of apartheid. And in the years after victory had been won, Desmond Tutu never hesitated in bringing out his jungle boots and using his sword-like tongue to fight for better governance. I'd like to end this episode with one of such reprimand he gave to a sitting president, President Zuma. Watch out! I am warning you, please watch out. We were helped by the international community to overcome apartheid. People were opposed to injustice and oppression, and people believed that we South Africans would automatically be on the side of those who have been oppressed. Mr. Zuma, you and your government don't represent me. You represent your own interest. And I'm warning you, I really am out of love. I am warning you the way I want the nationalists. I am warning you, one day, we will start praying for the defeat of the ANC government. You are disgraceful. You are behaving in a way that is totally at variance with the things for which we stood. I am warning you, as we prayed for the downfall of apartheid government, we will pray for the downfall of the government that misrepresents us. End of quote. And this is what I have for you on today's episode of This is the Future. Until I come your way with another beautiful interview in our midweek edition of the podcast, don't forget to share this episode with Africans and lovers of Africans. I wish you a beautiful week ahead. Bye.